Um, know that that is an option that's there for you so you can learn about the conservatory. Hopefully before the um, end of, well, the middle of June, we'll have some time so that you can join some leadership classes with me. Well, I wouldn't say leadership classes, but some um, classes with me to learn more about the conservatory, to answer some of your questions, to know where we're heading and um, how we're going to be moving once we get this 501c3 approved so that you'll be able to claim taxes for your um, contributions. We are already registered. We did that before the year ended in 2020. So now we're going through the rest of that process. So next year, you'll be able to get your deductions from your giving. So that's where we are with that. So here we are also with um, how to contact us. That's our email, the Facebook page for um, the actual conservatory. And from there, you can get to the Bible study. Oh, I didn't mean to click that. So hopefully it won't. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so ha again, happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that you guys are here and I pray the rest of your day is going to be blessed. Join us for Bible study on Tuesday night. I'm going to be doing that. And I may invite a couple of people to talk with me. But this teaching that we're doing today is going to be in two parts. I just want to remind you of the podcast. And this is our giving information. I'll try to remember to share that again at the end. You can screenshot it if you like. So we're going to be talking about God's permissive will today. And we're going to be setting a foundation for that so that we can conclude it next Sunday. But next Sunday, we're going to do more of an interactive discussion to make the teaching on permissive will make sense. And I think it's going to be fun. We may set up some scenarios, you know, a, a couple of skits to give you some example of that. I'm going to pull on um, Prophet LA and a couple of you here if you want to volunteer to be a part of that. But I'll let her work that out once she agrees to do this. But I want to do it in such a way that we can see different situations and how they may play out so that we can understand what perfect will looks like and what permissive will looks like. And I think that we're going to really be blessed by what we're learning. Now, I can't do this without, again, clarifying our direction, because there are some people that are just joining on the, on the second part of the teaching. So as a result, I want you to know that we're teaching conservatory style, and this, is, this conversation is based on feedback that you've given us. I've let you know that there are many schools of thought on what permissive will is. So you really have to decide what it is that you want to believe about this. But this is what the conservatory believes, the way I teach it. You don't have to agree with that. This has no bearing on our salvation walk and how much we love Jesus. So it's one of those debates that will always be a debate. Permissive will and perfect will they have all kinds of different conversations associated with it. They go into, people go into so many directions. I even saw or read something recently where there were four or five different types of will of the will of God that people bro broke down or permissive will. I don't believe it's that complicated and I'm all about keeping things simple. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to walk in the simplicity of this and give you the bare bones foundation so that it can make sense. 
So I believe we got a good handle on perfect will. And the premise of all of this is free will, how choice affects destiny, how choice affects purpose. And we're gonna talk about that some today and we're gonna look at some scriptures. Now, what you believe about predestination does impact this topic, but my goal has been to kind of move us in a, in a way that that doesn't have to be the central point, even though you really can't talk about this conversation without it, I'm challenging you to think a little differently. And this is a conversation that's too big to have alone. And today I'm going to share with you, you might want to go and look up and, and examine how other people clarify what the permissive will of God is. And this will help you in the long run, because again, whatever group of people you know, if you get 10 people together, eight of them are probably going to have different viewpoints on what permissive will is. But as it relates to perfect will, I believe that we can rest assured that the perfect is going to be the Lord's um, definition of what is perfect to him. So I think we can rest in that place and have a definitive argument, but permissive will, not so much. But I'm gonna give you what I believe and what I understand and what I think will moves in line with the vision of the conservatory. Also know that this conversation is very controversial, very controversial among Christians, no matter the denomination. So um, let's see. We're going to start here. What is God's permissive will? And I love the background to this because it gives the picture of the universe. It, it causes us to remember everything that God has created, those things that he has put in place. It lets us know that we're just a small part of who he is and what, he, what he's trying to accomplish and I just believe that it's a great image for us and that we can hold on to it because we may never know the answer to this question. We can ponder this question. We can consider this question. We can draw conclusions about this question. But can any one person definitively say this is what God's permissive will is? And I'm just going to tell you, I don't think we have all the answers to this question in a way that allows us to, make, to have the perfect answer. So that's the first thing I want you to know. Secondly, when we think of permissive will, I want you to think of it in the context of this question right here. If God is sovereign, again, I want to repeat this. Is if God is sovereign, has all authority, can do anything he wants, is omniscient, omnipresent. If God is sovereign, why does he permit certain things to happen, especially evil? That's one of the questions that drives this question about permissive will. Also, we can look at this and say, if God is sovereign, why does he permit us to struggle in our decisions? Why does he allow us to not have clear answers on X, Y, or Z? Why, if God is sovereign? So this place of having a um, 
permissive will or, or what is the permissive will of God is really a question of how we perceive who God is. Now, I mentioned before that, you know, we have to watch out for the religious state of people because some people obsess over this. And I want you to be able to recognize the religious mind in operation because if a person is struggling with the perfect will of God, they're gonna have a lot of doctrinal stuff that they struggle with. You're gonna see a lot of religious activity in their lives, especially surrounding prayer, making decisions, um, things like that. It's gonna be very, very, very difficult. They're gonna lend themselves to rituals, um, they're going to lend themselves to law. If I do this, got to do that. Maybe I'm not doing this because that is not happening. So you're going to begin to have this in this, this tremendous battleground of the mind, of the mind, which is a real hindrance because guess what? Then you have people trying to be perfect versus people just navigating in their sonship. And so, I, you know, if you go back and listen to the first teaching on this, this will, this will help. This will help you. I strongly suggest you listen to the first part of the teaching before, um, before going into this one. So, or after you hear this one, go back and listen. So there is no one scripture that talks about permissive will. Rather, it's a question that begs to be asked in the midst of, of what you're learning. And I just shared that, the, one of those questions before. So if you have questions that you've asked about permissive will, feel free to pop them in. You know, I'm going to give you this. For example, why did the Lord allow Joseph to suffer? <laughs> I mean, if he gave Joseph this grandiose vision of his life, wasn't that the perfect will for Joseph? If that was the perfect will for Joseph, why did God allow all this hardship? Why did God allow it? So those are the kinds of questions that come up when we talk about permissive will. Why doesn't the Lord just tell us what to do? He's sovereign. <laughs> you know. Why doesn't he just do what he's going to do and let it be over? Why do I have to make my own decisions when he can decide for me? Why does the Lord allow evil in the world? If he loves me, why doesn't he intervene in my situation? Why is he allowing all of this to happen? Why am I sick? Why am I suffering? Why didn't my marriage survive? Why, why, why? So I hope that just asking these things um, can put you in a position to consider this whole question about the permissive will of God. I mean, really. So the truth is that, that well, the truths that help us answer this question, I want to share them with you. And then we're going to look at a whole bunch of scriptures. And I, and I hope that's okay with you. And we're going to set the foundation for what we're going to conclude with next week. There may not be a lot of I's and O's in this conversation, but I hope that there will be some things that will come together for you. There are some truths that I want us to consider. The first one is we were given the gift of free will. 
And literally, it is a gift. It is a gift. Because listen, how much joy would there be in the world if we couldn't think for ourselves? If you've ever been in a um, relationship and what, I mean, it could be a friendship. It could be a parental relationship where everything was controlled for you. You couldn't think for yourself. Everybody made decisions for you. Uh, people would tell you what to do. You know how that feels. You know how that feels. So free will is a gift because it allows us to think for ourselves and make our own decisions, make our own choices and decisions. And listen, so we're given the free, the gift of free will because what? God wants us to love him enough to choose him. I think sometimes that um, in our approach to God, we don't see how much like him we really are. Like, think about it. Most people in, in, a, in their cognitive right state of mind want to be loved. They want to be useful. They want to be accepted. They want to be appreciated. Well, if we're image and likeness or likeness and image, could it be that God wants this from us? Could it be that, that God longs to have relationships with us where he feels important, where he feels as if he recognizes that, that we recognize his sovereignty, that we recognize his sacrifice, that we recognize, I mean, he doesn't need that from us at all, but he wants it. He wants it. How can I say this? One of the most profound ways of, of, of looking at this, and I'm hearing some other scriptures in my head that I didn't put here that we may need to go to, but one of the ways we can look at this is when, G, when God had to destroy the world, you know, with the, with the flood. And I remember a point in scripture in which he said it grieved him that those that he created could, you know, just could not understand what he was trying to do. It grieved God. And that was an emotion. That was an emotion based on loss. That's an emotion based on pain. Not, not in the way we might consider it, but in the way that it grieves the spirit. So I want us to know that God is not just some ghost walking around, some supernatural being that is without thought or feeling. We are made in his image. So if we're made in his image, even the processes of our emotion have to be significant to him and a part of who he is, not in our earthbound state, but in that eternal place. And I think we need to remember that. The first thing we need to consider is simply the fact that God wants us to choose him. That God wants us to choose him first. Number two, God created us for his pleasure. We're going to go through these. Actually, I'm going to switch there now once I talk about this a little bit. 
God created us for his pleasure. What does that mean? Does it mean that we're our pawn on a chess table for him to have good jokes with? No, that's not what it's talking about. God is not like Ra. He's not like Zeus. He's not, he's not the God of Valhalla. He's not, he, he's not any of that. The way he relates to us is for communion and for oneness. It's for delight in seeing us prosper. It's for us to be, oh my God, the epitome of who he is. He wants, again, likeness and image. So when we look at this, God's like, oh my God, I'm going to create people that have free will. I'm going to love them so hard. I'm going to do everything I can for them. And they're going to choose me. They're going to choose me like I have chosen them. Let's take a look at some scriptures um, real quick um, and look at this a little bit more. So Psalm 8, 3 and 8, it says this. I like this particular Psalm. Some of us have heard it so much in our upbringing and the things of the Lord. I know I have. And I appreciate this scripture in ways that I can't even put into words. But I'm going to read it from, I don't know, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Yes, I just love this particular translation of this passage. It's, it says this, um, I'm going to just start at verse three. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask a question. Why would you bother with puny mortal man or care about human beings? Yet what honor have you given to men created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned with glory and magnificence? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Why does God esteem us so much? Wow. Why does God esteem us so very much? That is the question when it comes to free will. Because in order to understand permissive will, we've got to have some understanding of the freedom that we have been given. And it's the freedom to choose. It's the freedom to decide. It's the freedom to choose him. It's the freedom to not choose him. David described it this way in Psalm 139. He said, even if I find myself in the depths of shoal, in other words, even if I choose hell, you are there. So we can choose whatever we want. But free will is about that choice. It's not about God forcing his will. So I want to just put that on the burner. There's another scripture that I want to share with you. Oh, it's about choice. It's Isaiah 47 and 3. I'm gonna, I don't know why that's in the um, Passion Translation. I didn't really mean to do that one like that. But let me go to the um, New King James Version of the Bible. 
So Isaiah 43 and 7, it says this, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. We are created for God's glory, for his pleasure, for his joy, for his peace, for, I mean, we are likeness and image before him. When he sees us, he sees himself. So I, I want you to, again, I want you to see that God's intention is not to be our dictator. He tried that in the old covenant. <laughs> he, he gave us choice. We always had free will, but in the old covenant, he would use different mechanisms to turn us back or to punish us into believing. But that was the old covenant way. And even God realized this isn't working. No matter how many armies I, I send against them, no matter how much I even swallow, caused Jonah to die in the belly of a well. And, and where did it get me? You know, so he's like, I did all of these things. I gave them free will and all the Lord wants to do in all of those efforts. If we're able to put legalism down, if we're able to throw all of the religion away, at the end of the day, God just wants to be chosen. This part is so important. So I'm going to go ahead and close out that passage and I'm going to close out that. <laughs> Oh Lord, this is this is blessing me. I want to um oh I already have went over that. Yeah, we can close that one. But I want us to just think about this for a minute. And this is another passage. I think we all know this one. But I want to read it again because I think it's important and I think we need to see it even though we know it well. Even though we know it well, Joshua 24. 14 through 15. So it says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. That's the theme of everything concerning our sonship. It's not, this is a, this is a universal principle. This is the perfect will of God right here. The perfect will of God is fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. That's the perfect will. The perfect will, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. And we have all kinds of gods, you know, today. It may not be Balaam, you know, it may not be Asherah. It, it, it may be a football team, you know, it may be some other idol that you have. But he said, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Listen, so... So there are two things that I want you to grab in this moment. One is God wants to be chosen. And the second one is God has given you free will for his pleasure. Those two things, those two things. So somebody write that down for me. God wants to be chosen and God wants to enjoy and have pleasure in us. So look, God is looking for a marriage, right? He's looking for a companionship. He's looking for friendship. He's looking for a, a family. 
I want to just tell you it's so important for us to see God in his place of basic need. I'm not saying God needs anything because he was here before us and he'll be here after us. <laughs> He's eternal. But I want us to recognize that the same things that we long for are things that God has sought after from us. And listen to this. This touches my heart. It's verse 15. It says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Oh my God, who could imagine that it's evil to serve God? But some of you have been the bestest, the best friend. Some of you have been the best daughter, the best son, the best parent. Some of you have been the best spouse. Some of you have been the best employee. And at the end of the day, it is not returned. It is not returned. And it's grievous to you knowing that you have given everything you got to that person and that situation and that circumstance and the capacity in which you stand. And it's just not being returned. So the scripture causes evil. And literally you have the Lord saying, if it is evil in your eyes to love me, if it is evil in your eyes to be with me, if it is evil in your eyes to serve me, choose this day who you will love. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will give your affection to. Choose. Oh my goodness. We don't see God as a person. We see him as a magician. We see him as a God, just like Zeus and Ra. Oh my God. That's a hard truth to face. Because if we could see him the way he presents himself to us in scripture, then we would see permissive will a little bit better. A little bit better. If you love someone, sometimes you have to let them go, right? If there can be no agreement, if there can be no friendship, if people cannot mature into a place of seeing their own, what can you do? You have to let the relationship go. Every parent who has raised a child, you love that child. But you understand something so fundamental. They're not listening to me. So I have to cover and pray for them as they choose their own way. Why do we think God is so different? As a mom, I know I grieve over my children. I'm like, God, are they going to love you? Are they ever going to love you? Are they going to love you enough to fear you and serve you in faithfulness and sincerity? Because there are things as a mom that I have to allow because I, they have no understanding. I'm not in agreement with it. But I take my hands off. 
and I just have to allow it and I have to pray in the process. God, don't let it cost them their lives. God, don't let it cripple them. Don't let it kill them, God. Oh my God, is it? I have the boundaries. The boundaries are set. I told them you can only go this far. But if they go beyond the boundary that I have set, there is no punishment for them because I love them. There is grace. But God, you allow them to choose their will. So what you allow and what you permit is based on their own will because you have given them free will to choose. We are not so different from God. David said, who is man that you have made him just a little lower than Elohim? I hope the scriptures are making sense to you now because when we talk about permissive will, I wonder if we're talking about it because we don't see God as the person of who he is. We call him father, but do we really understand that he loves us like one? Or is he just a magic God who grants wishes, abracadabra, rabasata, boom? Is that what we're believing him to be? Listen, for a lot of people, that's all he is. I want God to be perfect. I want the perfect will of God because you see him as a magician. Not as a father. You don't understand that he's there for counsel, that he's there for direction, that he's there to watch you grow, that he's there to say, oh my God, you can only operate, Teresa, and what you can do right now. You can only move in the place of your understanding because you're still growing. When I was a child, I what? I responded as a child. And as a mother, I redirect my children. Honey, no, you can't do that. Let's, let's get back on track. But you're not wrong. You just need redirection. You need understanding so you will know my perfect will. Have we misunderstood and misconstrued the question? Have we failed to see God as Father? Have we failed to see Christ as deliverer and Savior? Have we missed the mark? Because all we can see is a hard taskmaster sitting on a throne, judging our left and our right, our up and our down, our backwards and our forward, our stumping our toe and dashing our foot. Or is that all we can see? What God allows is not what he allows, is what we allow. That is what the Lord has been sharing with me. Whatever you bind on earth, Teresa, shall be bound in heaven. You will have what you say, Teresa. Speak life. Life and death is in the power of a tongue. Who is really allowing what? I've given you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions. Anybody? Who 
is really in charge? That's the question. Oh my God. This is what we believe in the conservatory. But in the human mind, we battle over these ideas and, and we fight over these thoughts and we let psychology and sociology and we let all of the philosophy get in the way and we forget that God grieves, that God loves, that God hopes, that God wants. Now he's finished. He said, I'm resting, I'm done. I've sent my son, I've sealed it. So whatever choice you make, that is your consequence. Is he really permitting or allowing? Or is it the fact that the world that we live in, the world system is still in the power of darkness? Because we have not understood that we are connected to one another, a bad choice by somebody in darkness in your household makes it bad for everybody because everything has a consequence. And the scripture tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust, both blessings and both curses. And we live in a fallen world. We have been redeemed but the systems of this world are still in operation. Oh my God, I hope this is making sense to you. So you have a mother who gave birth to you and that's the last time you saw her. You never saw her again. Maybe she was a drug addict. Maybe she was too young, but it was her choice in this world where we have been given dominion that we don't even understand. So we make choices and we make decisions that have nothing to do with God and everything to do with us. And we put things in motion that causes God to inter intervene at his pleasure. Oh my goodness. And we learn through the process and the circumstances along the way. And because God is at rest, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm gonna cause you to grow from the place where you are. Even though it looks like I'm not with you, I am. I just can't be involved in everything like I used to be because I already told you it is finished. Somebody's gonna catch that. Huh? Listen, we've all been appointed a time to die. That doesn't mean premature death doesn't occur. That doesn't mean things don't happen. But the nature of the fall is that we die. Is he permitting that or is he allowing that? It's the nature of the unredeemed system of this world. But I told you it's finished. I told you to live in the spirit, Teresa. I've given you all these tools, Teresa. Live for today, Teresa. Get the most out of this moment, Teresa. 
Oh my goodness. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. We dwell in, among Amorites and we dwell among the gods of our fathers, not the God of, 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 of not the God, the father of, of Jesus. But this is the world system right here. But the better choice is whether you're in the river, coming out the river, beside the river. But he says in his verse, he said, but as for me and Miles, we will serve the Lord. Oh, my goodness. I often think about the apostles and I think about how important it is for us to recognize that they weren't worrying about the, they, they understood the permissive will of God. I want to talk about the permissive will of God in another way. Real quick, I'm going to switch back. So we've looked at it from this perspective, but I want you to look at it from a different perspective because, oh my goodness, God, we just read that the Lord takes pleasure in us that he glories in us, that we are created for his pleasure. Part of that design is as a mom, as a father, you raise your children, you pour the best in them. They tell you they want to sing, you put them in singing classes. They tell you they want to be um, a basketball player, you put them in basketball camp. They tell you they want to play an instrument, you go and you play for the lessons. It is the pleasure of the parent to watch the child grow. That child comes one day and he says, Mama, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't, I, I don't want to play an instrument. I don't want to play basketball. I, don't, I want to do something. I want to cook now. But you've invested all this money in it. Is that permissive? Absolutely, but another kind. It's the Lord, get this, giving us freedom to choose some things in our lives that give us pleasure, that causes us to grow and develop, that pleases him. I think about what he said to Jesus on the day that Jesus was baptized. He said, oh my God, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased before Jesus did anything that had to do with his ministry. Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. He probably had friends. And we know he did. He had fun. There are things that he did that he enjoyed. God enjoys watching us do things that make us fun. My free will says that I'm allowed to do art if I want to. I don't have to wait for some revelation of the perfect will. It's okay, Teresa, to take a culinary class if you want to. You have the free will to do so. God wants to see you thrive and move and everything, not just that he's giving you, but the desires of your heart that you just want to do for fun. But see, we understand that with our own children, right? We understand that in our own lives sometimes, right? 
But but we but as long as we see God as a God in the sky, we cannot reach and we cannot see him as God in us. As long as we see him as a, a magician instead of a father and a king and a how can we ever see that he allows so much good? Teresa, buy the house if you want it. Buy the car if you want it. It's always okay for you to ride better. It's always okay for you to live better. If religion is out of the way, if our mind's not messed up in being perfect, if we're not ruled by perfectionism, if we're not seeing God as the punisher, if we make one wrong move, if we see him as the one who raises children, if we see that he is like us because we are like him, if we can see the unit of the family as a reflection of what he really wants, if we can see that he enjoys raising us from babe to adult to elder, to his presence. If we can see that he designed it like this because he enjoys it, it will change our lives. He permits things because he wants our participation. Adam, name this fruit. Whatever you want, name it. Name this animal. Name it. Oh, my God. He wanted to include us in everything. De design this chair. Design this car. Create the internet. Build this microphone. Wow, you are fulfilling your purposes and what I created you to do. Oh, my God. I allow you. Oh, my God. I don't know if this is making any sense to you, but we can mess up so many things by just thinking wrong. My prayer for you today is that you're being freed in your mind, that you're breaking free of religious ideals and religious concepts. God is treating us like children, like sons, not robots. He wants to share life with us, not dominate us. That means he takes pleasure in everything that we do that is good. He says, I'm the good father. I give good gifts. I just don't think we understand what those good gifts are. He says, you can do anything within your measure. Anything. Scriptures about that. Matthew 3, 16 through 17, especially 1 Timothy 4 and 4. We don't have time to read those. 1 John 5, 19, it says this. It says this. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. If the whole world still rests in the power of the evil one, we are the ones who, who are redeemed. 
We are the ones who've been given delegated authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. We are the ones sent to change the world. But as long as we don't walk out our calling and learn how to live in that place of fearing the Lord and obedience, we'll never be the people designed to bring the kingdom to its fullness. Even in the midst of Babylon, I am in the world but I'm not of it. Second Corinthians 4 and 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Oh, my God. Image and likeness comes with allowances. It comes with permission. I'll never forget the day the Lord says, stop praying to me. This is me. You know, this would be a word of blasphemy for some of you if you're religious. The Lord said to me, stop praying about everything. Don't you have my mind? Make a decision, Teresa. Make a decision, Teresa. Make a decision. You love me with everything you've got. You're not going to choose something that is an offense to me. You're not going to knowingly choose anything, Teresa, that will break my heart. That's what God said to me. If I want that job, I apply for it. If I'm not supposed to take it, the spirit of God in me will say no. And I won't do it. But if I don't hear that no in the pattern of how God uses me, I know he, he could care less whether I take it or not. Do it or don't. Wear the red dress or the blue dress. It doesn't matter in my life. Oh, my goodness. The mind of Christ is for our use. Oh, man. I'm telling you, read some of these scriptures I've placed here for you. I promise you, it'll make sense. God created us to rule. Listen, whatever you permit in your life, that's what you allow. Because it's your choice. Are you following are you following? If you permit it, it's not about whether God permits it or not, is it? If I allow somebody to come up to me and just cuss me out and I do nothing about it, is that God allowing that to happen or is it me not walking away? Or is it me not putting my foot down and saying, no, you will not talk to me like this? Is it me saying, this is not my portion. I am leaving the room. And I'm not only am I leaving the room, but I'm disconnecting my relationship with you because I will not permit this in my life. If I fall down and break my leg, is God allowing that? Or was there just a crack in the road? And I tripped over it and I fell. Was it just an accident? 
Or is there this whole religious construct of some devil or demon pushing you to the ground and smashing your face in the mud? But you weren't looking. You were on your cell phone, right? You weren't looking when you turned that corner. You were adjusting your serious sound in your car. But 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 it God allowed it, right? Listen, we need practical examples. We need to see the condition that we're in. We're in this magic realm. We're in this sorcery realm. And we worrying about what Jezebel doing, and we are the ones operating in the very witchcraft that we rebuke. Oh my goodness. Trying to manipulate God. Thinking we can force his will. Oh my goodness. Permissive will is not what we think it is as we teach it in the conservatory. We shift our destiny when we are out of place. We set things in motion that are consequences we set things in motion that are consequences of our own disconnection and the laws that govern the grace that we're in right now go into effect. Oh my God. As long as we are living and breathing in this earth, there will be cause and effect. And that has nothing to do with the devil. Oh, my God. We have the authority to shift our destiny in the earth. The scriptures tell you, have what you say, Teresa. Obey me. Do what I tell you. It rains on the just and the unjust. The wages of sin is death. Oh, my God. And we can even be affected by the sin of other people. I've counseled people in their marriages who ended up in situations where they're raising children that from outside marriages, but they allowed it. God didn't allow it. They allowed it. I, I want you to see some things. We permit, we allow because we have free will. But if religion is in place and we believe we're following this perfect will, we'll walk around thinking, this is what God had me do. I think he's trying to teach me a lesson with this outside woman. But the, but the man broke the covenant. The woman broke the covenant. God doesn't operate outside of covenant. But that's another story. Listen. I'm not saying he don't tell people to be a homer and a gomer. A Hosea and a gomer. I'm not saying that. I'm sure somebody does that, but that ain't my portion. We have to figure out what is our portion. We have to make sure we're walking in the right mindset. We have to make sure we're getting counsel. That is not what grace has promised me. And I just can't imagine Jesus giving those kinds of instructions in our day. But hey, we will have what we say. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. There are designated times 
under the sun. Listen, I want to go there and then we're going to conclude this evening. I know I've left a lot to be desired, but I don't want to give too much because I just think we need to take our time. I really do. And I think we need to kind of walk through some things. These things are still true as far as what God allows because we're under the sun. We're in the world. So as long as we're in the world, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, tear and a tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Wow. Wow. There is a time for everything under the sun. The time of man within our lifespan in the earth. God allows our humanity to be its humanity in the earth. Oh my God, we too deep, we too deep, we're too spiritual, where it's totally unnecessary, life is hard. God, why did you allow this? Because there's a time to be born, Teresa, and there's a time to die. Lord, why didn't this relationship last? There's a time to plant, Teresa, and a time to uproot. Why was my nephew killed? Because, Teresa, under the sun, there is murder. And for the flesh, there's a time to kill. But I told you, Teresa, there's a time to heal. God, I'm tired of rebuilding. But, Teresa, there's a time to tear down, and there's a time to build. Lord, I'm hurting, but Teresa, there's a time to laugh. But God, I'm mourning, but Teresa, there's a time to dance. Teresa, calm down, but there's a time to let the scatter the stones, Teresa. And there's a time to gather them. God, I don't want to be around people. Teresa, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. God, I just don't know what to do. I need some direction. Teresa, there is a time to search and there's a time to give up. But God, I just don't feel like I have time. Teresa, there's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. God, I'm just crying and I wanna just rip. Teresa, there's a time 
of rending the clothes and there's a time for mending them. This is life, Teresa. You're under the sun. Under the sun, there are things that are allowed because the world we live in is fallen even though you have been redeemed. All things are done, Teresa, but you haven't walked into that place where this sun, this earth that you are right now is no more. You're in my future past. Why do I allow things? I've told you, but you are not listening. Oh my God. Father, I just pray today that we will be listeners, that we will hear, that we will see from our high place and not from our circumstance, that we will be people who walk in the spirit, that we will be people that really believe what Jesus said, that in this world, we will have trouble. We will be people who understand that life is not fair. Humanity is not fair. We are daily dying not because of some spiritual outcry, but because we grow from being born and we grow into aging into a place of death because it's the design of the earth around. God is at rest. He said, live. He said, choose. He said, work while it is day. And Father, I declare that we are a people that's going to work while it's day. We're going to get the most out of this life right now. We're going to stop questioning you, God, about every single thing because the answer is simply that in this world there will be trouble. I wish there was no death. I wish I could be like Enoch. But Father, the chances of that happening, let's just be real. That's not doubt. That's reality, spiritual reality. But I am always with you and I will eternally be with you. Father, we lift you up today in our, in our imaginations, in our thoughts, in our hearts, and we hold on to what is true. Father, break the back of religion from us. In Jesus' name. Let us see where we are, not from a place of condemnation, but from a place of making the exchange right now in Jesus' name. I see. The Lord said, I'm gonna cause some of you to recognize that, that all you need to do is choose. You're in this place, says the Lord, where your maturity is already sure that the decisions that you make are going to be things that he agree with. But you're hanging around people that are still operating in old systems and you're shouting with them under the old system. And the Lord said, you know it. But I'm calling you out. Can you answer? Can you come against and fall out of agreement with the things that you are agreeing with in Jesus' name? And embrace what is completely fresh and completely new. I'm calling you out. 
says the Lord. And I'm changing everything concerning you. In Jesus' name, amen.